Blog Talk Radio. Well, you slime-eating dogs, you scum-sucking pigs, you sons of a motherless goat. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Joy, host of Hard News Confidential. And uh, today is episode number two. We've got an exciting show for you today. And uh, basically, we got uh, two interviews lined up. We got John Five, and he is going to be promoting his new album, Season of the Witch. Uh, and then we also have uh, director Byron C. Miller, uh, and he'll be talking about the exploitation film, uh, The Anatomy of Monsters. Uh, and he is also, by the way, lead singer of his own band. Um, and uh, we'll be talking to him a little bit about that as well. Uh, and they are called Ghost in the Graveyard. Uh, now, without further ado, uh, Wolf Dog Joe, is that uh, with you with us today? Hey, how you doing? What's up, people of the night? Hey. So uh, we got uh, we got a pretty exciting show, uh, but you know what? We we got a lot of news, and I really want to kick things off today with. Um, uh, a little bit of uh, wrestling news mixed with horror news, uh, and uh, that meaning The Undertaker. Uh, a lot of wrestling fans know him, and uh, WrestleMania was this past Sunday, uh, and I guess the big news coming out of that event was, uh, in fact, that was The Undertaker's last match, and uh, he is now uh, basically retired. He was defeated by Roman Reigns. Oh, bummer, huh? Oh, we hate to see him go. What a classic wrestler. Yeah, with, without a doubt. Undertaker has, uh, you know, been known for his WrestleMania streak. Uh, he was defeated uh, for the first time a couple years ago by Brock Lesnar. Uh, and then, uh, well, last uh, Sunday for the second time uh, against Roman Reigns. Now, uh there's uh, a couple things I read uh, now. Uh, if Undertaker had his way, uh, his last match would have been a different opponent. Uh, his hand-picked opponent uh, would have been John Cena, which basically would have been, you know, one of the only dream matches left in the WWE because you you have two um, of the biggest superstars in the business with those two gentlemen. But uh, Vince McMahon wanted to go a different direction, uh, thinking more of the long haul, uh, thinking more of, you know, promoting new talent in uh, this uh, Roman Reigns character. Yeah, Roman Reigns is up and coming, but I don't know if he ever would meet the characterization of The Undertaker. The Undertaker was such a big persona, and of course, following a gender like we love with horror in the background, but uh, I'm sure... uh, in the future, there's a possibility you may see him again, but uh, you may not see him in the ring. Yeah, well, with the, with the retirement, um, you know, happening, I, I think it's almost etched in stone that uh, he's uh, probably Hall of Fame bound for next year, uh, Hall of Fame 2018. Uh, I, I would not be surprised uh, at all uh, on that one if he'd be the uh, main inductee. True. Very true. Now, one thing I want to say with uh, the Undertaker, you know, I've always, uh, you know, respected the uh, the character. Um, in the early um, 
in the early days of The Undertaker, uh, not so much a fan. Um, I think it was a little bit more cartoonish when the character was first developed and he was with Paul Bear. Um, but <laughs> I think as time as time progressed and we went on to the Attitude Era and he got more um, demonic, uh, that's when I, I think I really started liking that character a little bit more. Yeah, well, let's face it, he was a scary-looking guy. Uh, he could have easily been a movie star, too. And Paul oh, Barrett yeah. did add a, add a little com- comedy to the act. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and uh, Paul Barrett, he... Um, I passed away a number of years ago. Um, uh, uh, Percy Pringle, um, you know, basically um, was uh, Paul Bear. He, he started out world class championship wrestling, and always, always a great manager. And I always remember as Paul Bear always having the urn, uh, and uh, you know that being uh, the Undertaker's gimmick for so many years. Um, and then finally, he kind of, kind of dropped that whole urn gimmick. I, I guess when uh, Paul Bear stopped being his manager, or, or shortly thereafter. Um, I don't remember exactly when they dropped that gimmick. But, um, uh, but yeah, like I said, always uh, a fan of The Undertaker. And, uh, you know, if, if WWE was smart, and, and they are to a certain extent, um, you know, as we see, you know, they put their hand not only in the wrestling industry, but you have, um, you know, making a lot of films with their stars, you know, whether it be John Cena, Randy Orton, uh, you know, there's a host of them, you know, uh, and even, uh, you know, I Kane, uh, they did um, uh, some horror movies with Kane a couple years ago. Uh, I yeah, don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I, I think Absolutely. Um, there's still money in the franchise of The Undertaker in, um, in a horror movie. I would love to see them transition that into – um, you know, something really evil on the big screen. Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly. There is still money to be made with that character. They'll ever replace a character like that back in the lineup for the WWE. Well, something on the mean, same like type. Some... Like somebody, I, something you, like I, on I... the same district of like the horror type of, you know, big scary guy that's more into death and dark darkness seems you like know, there's, a, there's a there's a hole there for that and it could be plugged again with a new character it's sort of like follows the same realm if they're smart i i think they would definitely go with a new character i mean there's a lot of horror fans out there that are also professional wrestling fans um you know, you know maybe, maybe bring somebody out with a with a hockey mask or something you know yeah i mean you know good. following Following the whole Jason Voorhees thing with the hockey mask, that would be a good idea, um, you know, or create something brand new. I mean, I don't know what it could be or would be, but it's definitely something that should be followed through because, you know, there there were, you know, um, they tried it years ago um, with Papa Shango, the whole, whole uh, voodoo gimmick, which oh, – yeah. um, I, you know, I, and he feuded with The Undertaker, you know, and basically it was a good – matchup for the undertaker because you know you had um you know the dead man versus this voodoo guy um <laughs> so from time to time you see those characters pop up but yeah they need something and i guess it really depends what direction they want to go with their characters um 
you know, we're really not so much in that quote unquote attitude era anymore where yeah, that's what they really miss they really miss that attitude era where you have the great wrestling attitudes, you know, classics like Macho Randy Savage, just the, the wrestler that everyone misses. The true oh. a, a true actor in in the realm of being a warrior and a and a wrestler. Oh yeah. No no doubt about it. Now, There's definitely room know, the for another is, character like that. You know, the um uh the aftermath of WrestleMania. You know, and it's what their perception is, uh, who is going to be the next big star. And apparently Mr. McMahon and the powers that be, you know, have put their mark on Roman Reigns. But, um, you know, if you watch the beginning of Raw the other night, um, you know, fans completely shit all over Roman Reigns. Um, and... Yeah. Obviously, them not liking the fact that he beat the Undertaker, and you know, here's here's my opinion about Roman Reigns. Um, while you know he he's a good athlete, um, I, I don't think he is the personality that they think he is um, going forward. I don't think he's going to carry the company on his shoulders like they want him to. Um, now they're going to have to come out not. with salute down. Uh, you're definitely right with that one. But he he, yeah, he puts I mean, on a good show, and he's a, like you said, he's a great athlete. But he doesn't like yeah, you say he doesn't have that characterism, the the, the the show person, some something you know that gives it a woo factor, uh, something that people talk right. about the next day just for something he simply said. He doesn't have that 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 bang. Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have the it factor, the wow factor, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, he doesn't have that little certain something that people like um, The Rock had or, or Stone Cold Steve Austin or, you know, even, you know, I hate to say it, but even John Cena. You know, they had this larger-than-life personality, uh, and they were able to take the company to the next level. Um, I, I just don't see that happening with Roman Reigns. As much as they want him to be the next golden god, uh, it's it's I'm, it's not working for him. It's, I'm not. Well, I think it. they definitely got to bring up his enemy. Somebody new's got to come up as his enemy, and uh, you know, make it a, a battle royale to be worth watching. Because you can't just keep going yeah, around well, with nobodies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, no matter what. I mean, no matter if it's new or old, whoever he's going against, I, he doesn't have um, he doesn't have that personality. He doesn't have that you know quote unquote it factor. Um, but uh, anyway, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said, and you know, predicting of what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, and you know, Vince McMahon, he's the one pulling the strings and his family. So I guess whatever they want you know, the main guy to be, um, if that's what they see him being, then that's what it's going to, you know, that's how it's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see what the future holds, and let's see what happens next year at WrestleMania, who they're going to have to take down this time. Obviously, The Undertaker uh, buried his last casket and happened to be his own. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, there's a little bit uh, more wrestling news I want to touch on. Uh, and uh, this was just announced the other day. 
and this is more for the uh, hardcore wrestling fans out there. Um, now, Japanese legend, uh, Touche Onida, um, you know, I mean, if, if you followed FMW wrestling in Japan, uh, you'll know this gentleman from, you know, exploding barbed wire matches and time bomb matches that he's had with professional wrestlers like Terry Funk and Tarzan Goto. Um, oh, yeah, these are like and, hardcore matches, right, where you actually see the blood and you actually see the pain being inflicted on one another. Oh, these guys without are, a doubt. He, these guys are intense. So, Onita, he's been a legend in Japan for the past, I don't know, 30 years almost. Um, you know, and he's mastered the style of matches that are just bloody and gruesome and uh, it's basically, you know, a, a Japanese hardcore legend. Well, if um, if you've been following CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling, based right in this area, Philadelphia, South Jersey area, um, they have a wrestler by the name of Matt Tremont. And I don't know for how long, but for at least the past year, he's been calling out uh, Onita uh, in different um, different videos and um, you know, at different shows, uh, and Matt is, you know, basically uh, a ten-year veteran, and he himself does, um, you know, a lot of these, you know, cage matches, barbed wire matches, um, you know, hard matches in general. Um, well, out of all his efforts of calling out Atushi Onita, um, that finally paid off because Onita finally answered the challenge, uh, and apparently uh, it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen in New Jersey or Philadelphia, but uh, basically Onita is coming to the United States. He's coming to our backyard uh, to uh, meet the challenge of uh, Matt Tremont. So I don't know oh, if it's oh, going man. to be. Is this guy Tremont insane? Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen in, in barbed wire. I don't know if it's going to happen in a cage. And I don't know if the, something's going to blow up uh, or maybe all of the above. But um, it's going to happen uh, CZW on August 5th. Uh, I don't think a, a venue has been announced yet, but um, but I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. I, I know, Yeah, yeah, um, this sounds like something good to go to. And we already know oh, what the main yeah. event's going to be for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, from being in this area, and we talked a, a little bit about this last week uh, and watching, uh, you know, matches from ECW with such legends as um, Sabu and Terry Funk. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of wrestling fans know, um, you know, love their blood and love their gore, uh, especially in this area of the country. Um, you know, we've become uh, become known for, um, you know, not only being hardcore fans, but, uh, you know, having some of the best wrestling in the world just right at our back door. Uh, so it's kind of kind of something to be proud of. Yeah, and it sounds exciting to see these kind of uh, matches being scheduled, hopefully, in our area. I know uh, the ECW Arena has sort of uh, was kind of rebuilt and regimed, and I forget the name of it now. You don't recall the name? Um, I... They, you know they've they've went through several renovations. It might just be called the the arena. Um, 
I know it was just called the arena for a while, but uh, they, I know they, it's it might actually have right there in South Philly, not far from the original PCW arena. And, yeah, uh, well, it's the same same place. It's the same arena, just uh, they redid it. Um, same, but it's, uh, same it's pretty hall. cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks a lot but, better. Uh, so than anyway. The last time I seen it, they had uh, some MMA looking fights there, and uh, I'm looking forward to going to visit that place again. Definitely. So um, let's transition uh, from the world of professional wrestling and the blood and gore to, uh, you know, something that uh, you're a little bit, uh, you know, familiar with as well. And that's uh, a little bit of rock and roll and heavy metal. Um, You know, we uh, have a guest coming up and his name is Byron C. Miller. Uh, His band uh, is uh, Ghosts in the Graveyard. And uh, we, um, we played some of this last week, and uh, you know I want to want to get a little bit more of it going today. Um, and this is uh, this is one of his songs off of his uh, new album. Um, and uh, let me just cue this up. It's 13 Ways to Die. So let's take a All quick right. listen to this, and we co- we're going to come back after this song, and we'll uh, we'll Byron.
Okay, there you heard a little bit of 13 Ways to Die. And uh, Byron C. Miller, um, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing? Oh, very good. Yeah, you know, so so excited about, you know, all the projects that you're, uh, you're in, uh, everything from uh, movies to music. Uh, I guess... Uh, Let's uh, let's start out, um, you know, a little bit with um, the, with the music aspect of it. Um, yeah. How's um, you know, how, how's things going with uh, with the band? And uh, you know, tell me about any tour information that's going on. Sure, the band is going very well. You know, we just released the music video for Thirteen Ways to Die, which is probably our craziest video yet. <laughs> and um. As far as tours, we're working on a few different things, you know, nothing that I can announce yet, but it's in the works. It's in the works. <laughs> and then, um, okay. yeah, and we are working on new uh, material, too. We're like, we might be releasing something this October. Our plan is release something every October, but, we'll, you know, we'll see how far we get. But the new stuff is sounding crazy. Well, I got a question for you. I mean, obviously, you know, at the root of it all, we're all horror movie fans. Um, how important is it for you to incorporate that into your music? Absolutely imperative. <laughs> the the genesis of this band is my want to do something that is related to shock rock, horror punk you know, dark wave music, all of that. But it's all put through kind of my horror brain filter, especially as far as the lyrics and the tone of it all goes. Like I want it to all feel like a, a haunted house, an attraction, while at the same time, you know, telling emotional stories and things. Oh yeah, man. Um I totally agree. Um now on on with us right now is my uh is my co host Wolf Dog Joe. Uh this guy's a hardcore fan of heavy metal and rock and roll. Um and uh, Wolf Dog, uh, I just wanted to uh, throw it at you for a moment and I don't know, just see if you had any uh any questions or any uh, you know, thoughts uh regarding um, you know, uh Byron's band. Yeah, Byron sounds pretty good. Yeah, I can definitely tell you're into the horror genre and as the lyrics go uh 13 ways to die is almost a movie in itself uh, i can imagine the video is going to be pretty intense <laughs> yes yeah the uh this video was it's interesting it was going to be when i first were first planning music videos i had this in my head but at the time it just seemed like budget alone would not make it possible but I've been mastering motion graphics over the past year, couple years, so um, it worked out that I could digitally create all the worlds because basically the idea of the music video and a little bit the song is going through the history or kind of a Mr. Toad's wild ride through every era and type of horror film that you can imagine. <laughs> You, you got a lot to work with there, and that's good. Yeah. It kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, I'm sure you heard of Typo Negative. Oh, they're yeah. Also, they also follow, like, a dark, vampirish kind of music, and, you, as you know, um, pretty popular band. So I think you're on the right track. you got something there to 
could, they could have a real good following. You know, I hope so. I think we're somewhere between Alice Cooper to Pesh Mode and, I don't know, The Faint or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. How, how many um, how many uh, music videos do you have under your belt right now? For this band, <laughs> um, I yeah, I also direct a or lot of music general. videos for. Uh, yeah, I probably for bands in general I've directed God, what is it like eight, nine? Oh no, 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 more close like ten or twelve music videos now. But for Ghosts in the Graveyard, there are three music videos. There's okay, Best in Black, okay. Needs, and 13 Ways Die. All right. So kind of my, my transition there is um, from making music videos to mm-hmm. making a feature film. Um, what, what's that transition like? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, um, you know, basically the, um, the music videos uh, were – all practice in a way um, for something larger. Yes. Though, if you would like to go on a very strange journey, I actually kind of went about this the complete opposite way. As uh, oh. my first feature film, I directed and it came out in 2006. It was a straight-to-video horror film, Night, N-I-G-H-T. But we got full distribution it's it's you know, everywhere on DVD, um, but we made that with no money, you know. And even though I'd worked on some movie sets and taken some film courses, like I was just diving in right head first as the writer, director, producer, cinematographer, camera operator, editor, and just <laughs> made a movie. <laughs> just just did it. Sounds like bug funny. That's okay, man. Sometimes you just got to dive in with both those feet. Yeah. But I did that. And then, you know, it got some acclaim. We even got a decent review in Fango, which I was very happy with. They were very kind. But um, then after that, I was kind of busy with the band I used to be in. And so we did a lot of tours and stuff going all around. And so I wanted to kind of build back up before I did another feature. And I moved from Orlando to Seattle, Washington. So, you know, lots of transition, lots of change. So then I got out here, started directing a bunch of music videos for different bands and getting to try all these things and really hone my craft as a director and Imagineer or whatever, coming up with different concepts and stuff. And I did a short film. And then I teamed up with my buddy Paul, who's also bandmate, on the on the on the Ocean graveyard, and we teamed up, okay. and he's also did the cinematography for all these videos, and so all that together kind of accumulated in making the Anatomy of Monsters a much stronger film than my first one. Well, yeah, so let's dive into that. Um, so, uh, release from Art Exploitation Films. Uh, the Anatomy of Monsters uh, is, um, well, you know what? I'll, I'll let you uh, tell our fans a little bit about the story first. Sure. Yeah, The Anatomy of Monsters. Do you want to know a little bit how this all came together, too? The, the uh, origin? Yeah. I, 
Uh, you know, that would be fantastic. I, I'm, I'm curious about everything about it, honestly. <laughs> sure. So, about 10 years ago, I was driving late at night and dropping a friend off in a neighborhood I'd never been in, in this crazy suburban and my writer brain kicked on. I was just imagine, what if I was a serial killer? What if I just picked a random house, didn't know, no motive, just went in, whatever was around with a weapon, just killed everybody inside? That's a pretty good idea for a movie. At the same okay. time, I was listening to this album, Lady Tron album, Witching Hour, and I kept picturing this woman who was mysterious, who's a DJ and a killer and all this and then I started coming up with all these notes. Over 10 years, I had all these notes about this woman, all these notes about this guy who was kind of a boyfriend, and a structure that's kind of like the movie Permanent Midnight in that you've got two people in a room, one of them's telling the story that you're seeing through flashbacks. Gave all okay, that to my yeah, buddy yeah. Paul. Yeah. Paul, the script, he came up with the character Andrew and that it was two serial killers in the room and really brought it to the next level, and that's kind of how it came together. But it's, yeah, it's a very intimate, personal kind of story. It's a thriller, two serial killers in a room, game of wits, soul-bearing confession, unreliable narrators. You don't know who to trust or what layers that you're being shown are exactly the truth. And it's, you know, it's meant to be a fun thing to unravel all the different layers and nuances and that's that's it <laughs> so how how long uh did it take you to um uh, to make the movie let's see um oh, memory memory i believe our principal photography was like two weeks um you know it was broken okay. up a little bit but i think it was about 14 days or less, and then and then a year later went in and did like two days of reshoots. All right, so, I mean, there's um, there's always a lot of pitfalls and, and different horror stories sometimes about making movies. Um, making this particular movie, um, what was your greatest challenge? Did you have hurdles that you had to uh, leap over? <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, uh, <laughs> do tell, do tell. There, yeah. There's, um, so one, this was, a, you know, this was an under $10,000 budget, low budget film, micro budget. So, and very ambitious, lots of things we got to get done. So, we were very, very prepared, you know, with schedules and locations and things, but no matter how prepared you are, things are going to happen. But one thing that happened that was the most terrible thing was totally our fault. Um, okay. So we're nearly done with, with principal photography. We were backing all the footage up on one hard drive, and we had to do second backup to another hard drive. In the midst of this second backup, that hard drive got knocked over on carpet, but falling over caused it to break irreparably and wow. um to the point that people like friends of ours or computer people just they couldn't get it to work we we're gonna have to send it off and hope that data recovery can get to it 
That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> yeah, it was it was totally like that. It was totally uh and we were right, right. like we even had more scenes that same day, so we're like, do we like call it quits? And and we just decide, no, we're gonna stay the course. We're gonna keep filming. You know what? That we're gonna get this footage back. Nothing's gonna stop us. And we ended up after sending it to two different companies, got about eighty percent of the footage recovered and then it was just some reshoots a year later, which made all those scenes stronger anyway. So it was a <laughs> it was a freaking nightmare, but it ended up being all right. I hey, you know what? As long as it had a happy ending, you know, I mean that that's all you can wish for, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I you know um, you know working for um, you know art exploitation films, you know as well as hardnews.net, you know, you know of course had a chance to uh, watch. Um, you know your movie, uh, the um, the Anatomy of Monsters, and uh, yeah, I was I was like I was blown away by by it. I thought it was uh, very well done. Um, you know, and you know, I I kind of like it. It kind of it reminded me in uh, like a raw sense of when I watched Henry the Portrait of a Serial Killer for the first time. Um, and uh, you know, I really got into that movie, um, you know, because yeah. it was like kind of just raw, and it was just there. And uh, you know, I, I kind of got into your movie. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, very cool uh, flick. Now, um, you know, obviously, you know, you, hey man, you know, it's, it's it's you did a good job, you know, and I'm I'm gonna tell you, you did. But you know, you you went through some hell making it. That's that's without a doubt. So you know, when it's all said and done, and, and here you are right now, you know, through this whole process, um, what do you think? Like, w- when were you able to kind of step back and and like look at it and and appreciate it and like you know maybe like what was your, you know, the whole process? Like, what was your like most valued moment or your proudest moment? You know, was it, you know. Creating it, making it, or after it was done. I mean, like, you know, what was your? I I have a I have a few of those. I mean, one is you know spending so much time editing and editing because I was the editor on it as well. And um, once I had the cut that was complete with the reshoots done, and we could sit down and watch it, um, that was a big moment. And also to watch it with some of the cast and crew and see their like excited reactions and and then not too long after that to watch it in a, a film film festival screening and hear people like reacting to the point to the parts that I wanted them to react to. So it's yeah. kind of all that. I mean I the whole process from, you know, pre to post production, but it's probably the seeing an audience and feeling an audience react to your film. And especially when it at least connects with somebody in the audience and they, they, you know, it resonates with them. Like a friend of mine said, you know, he just thought I was probably going to making a slasher film. Knowing me, he didn't really know what it was about until he saw it. And he said how a lot of the, 
stuff moved him emotionally, you know, the relationship stuff and everything. And that, that meant a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, it was, um, you know, it was a good flick um, and you should be proud of it. And, you know, it's, um, it, it isn't just like if you're going into it thinking that it's just a slasher movie, um, you're you're going into the wrong movie. I mean, there's, there's actually like a pretty cool story built around this. Yeah, you know, I wanted it to be about, you know, a mood piece for one. You know, it's supposed to make you have that, I guess, Henry feel really of a midnight, late at night, driving, unsafe thoughts in your mind, and just everything feels like it's got a little bit of a layer of dirt over it. I kind yeah. of wanted it all to feel like that, but also it so, has a lot to say about relationships and kind of cycles you get into when you're dating and how things can, basically how you can be self-destructive with best intentions, <laughs> oh, you know, with an extreme with murder. Yeah. You, um, do you remember USA Network used to have um, Night Flight on, like uh, late, late at night? Do you remember that? Which one? Uh, do you remember Night Flight? It was on USA Network, like back in like the eighties. Um, well, basically, like you know, they they played like a lot of like really cool things, and like uh, I was just gonna say, this kind of r- reminds me of a movie that like you know they would play like late at night on Night Flight. Um, you know, like a you know midnight one a.m. kind of movie. You know. Um, yeah, I kind of remember has, in like Saturday Nightmares and stuff, kind of before yeah, yeah. it became just up all night, like when they'd show actual more horror. Yeah, exactly. It was before up all night. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it just has that feel like this is the type of movie that like I would want to sit down and, you know, just like kind of chill with like in the wee hours of the morning. Cool. So... So let's let's rewind a little bit. Like so, um, you know, we we know about the the music videos and we know about the movies. Um, so where did it all start? Like you know, when you were a kid, like what was some of your favorite horror movies? <laughs> oh man, so um, I've been in this a long time. <laughs> so when I was in like preschool like earliest memories of this kind of stuff like i remember there's a late night horror host because i'm originally from owensboro kentucky and um there's a horror host there based out of indiana called sammy terry and um i would like i dressed up like in one year for halloween like i'd watch all the classic horror films on there and not not even knowing what it is and then it was also the early 80s um my parents you know is the birth of cable and hbo and everything so my parents had all that and they didn't really police it too much so i remember (laughs) seeing like friday the 13th part three amityville 2 like i remember clips of those um i remember the first film i can really remember terrifying me was mausoleum You've ever nice. seen that crazy movie? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, um, I, you know that's the thing. I, I had the same experiences. You know, like you know back when uh, exactly what you were saying. You know, back in the early days of like HBO and that. You know, it really wasn't policed too much. You know, because 
maybe parents didn't know any better at the time. But, um, but yeah, like I remember, um, you know, one of the first things I saw, um, you know, on cable was, um, I, I think it might have been Motel Hell. Um, oh. and, uh, yeah. So, Funny I mean, story, like, you know, I've all, never all, seen Motel Hell. Oh, dude, you have to see it, man. It is a classic, classic movie. Yeah, I know. It looks awesome somehow. I, I just, I'll get to it, though. I will get to it. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, mm-hmm. some good stuff. Actually, you know, you, um, you know, I follow you on Facebook, and you, you recently posted um, a year-to-year index of your favorite movies that I'm taking a look at right now. Um, and uh, some good stuff, good, good stuff on here, man. Um, that list is hard you know, as hell to make, especially in the mid-'80s. Like, I mean, how do you choose on some of those years? It was, it was like – a million good films every year for a spell, you know, but that was a fun list to make. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, we got, like, you know, Phantasm on here, Evil Dead, The Thing, um, you know, you have uh, Gates of Hell, there's The Fly, uh, Nightbreed. And the other challenge with this list, all these films on this list are films I've seen at least more than twice. Most of them I've seen probably goddamn like 20 times <laughs> so alright so out of this mm-hmm. whole span of films um, what's uh, what's your favorite of the bunch do you have one I do have a favorite film It oh, I did one for many years but I narrowed it down it's, it's Dust Devil the director's cut of Dust Devil by Richard Stanley it's I feel like, you know, I love horror, but I also love um, really existential kind of characters. Like my favorite book is The Man Who Fell to Earth, to give you an idea. And I feel like that movie with, you know, the demon serial killer that's trying to see what it's like for a minute to be human. And, you know, that juxtaposition of this ancient thing and like trying to connect with another human being I mean, it's it's everything to me, that movie. And even, like, the way it's shot, kind of like a Western, and all the weird ritualistic magic stuff, all the great South African folklore, like, that movie, I love it. And even the scene when the one dude is, like, getting killed towards the end, and, like, it's talking about how life is like cinema and like you're seeing the projector on the wall going out and how your life is a film that and oh i love it fucking love that movie you know what i i think i i saw it one time i I think i've only seen that movie one time and i think that was probably over 20 years ago um so i guess it's about time I, i should probably um i should probably find that and watch it again yeah, and I highly recommend finding the, the version that's like called the final cut because yeah. the one that was released by Miramax, like they cut over a half hour out. They re reorganized the scenes. They tried to make it more, I guess, traditional, even though it doesn't work for that movie. So you can right. get the, the director's cut. <laughs> it's, it's the one that I would call. Like the other one's fine, but – the director's cut is my favorite movie. 
Okay. I don't definitely and it have really to look makes into a that. Difference. Yeah. Not like Nightbreed so, director's cut where you're like, this is really good, but I love it, love them both. It's like the other one was okay, right. and this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so, you know, lots of stuff here. Um, but I guess moving forward, like, what yeah. do you have um, planned for the future? Um, any projects lined up, um, movie or otherwise? Well, you know, I've I've always got every iron and every fire, so to speak. Um, so right now, I'm I'm actually finishing up a degree to get in um, digital media arts, which is where I've been learning all the motion graphics stuff and everything. And just sharpening okay. all my film skills, because why not, you know? So I'm almost oh, yeah. done with that degree. <laughs> um, I'm attached to direct a film that's in development in L.A. with um, it's the screenwriter Johnny Sullivan, who he did some of the Prophecy sequels and a movie Security okay. that's coming out with Antonio Banderas. He wrote, or yeah, he co-wrote and is producing like his baby called Welcome, he's attached to direct, so that's one of those, in development, hopefully it gets, you know, gets off and running soon, and um, my buddy Paul and I, you know, bandmate and everything, we uh, we collaborated on a Project Greenlight pitch that we sent, so fingers crossed on that, and we're in the process right now of really beefing up the script for that, Um I've got oh, wow. a script, that's one the, of my the the, uh, the the Clive Barker um the Clive Barker one that they're doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on that one. Okay. Of thirteen ways to die, we shot our pitch video for that because you know that was the only time we had. <laughs> like, let's shoot it now. That, you entered awesome, that too, right? Man. I totally did. I was just going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I had a, um, a screenplay I wrote, and I uh, I threw a pitch at them. So, hey, I don't know, man. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I wish us all the best. Like some, some buddies who are in there too. Like I, I hope you know. I hope we get in there. One of us gets Definitely. in there. You know, it's it's going to be gonna be awesome. Great opportunity. Yeah, it be, you know, it it would it. it in a perfect world, what would be the coolest is down to like, you know, the final two, uh, you know, my my screenplay versus yours. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we gotta we gotta like duke it out or something. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, man. So you know, I just gotta say I, I've um, totally had a, a blast talking to you today. Um, I think we covered a lot of territory. Uh, I think we covered more than I expected us to cover, which is cool. Um, and, yeah. Uh, if what, um, any last, um, you know, words or comments or anything you want to say before I uh, let you go? Yeah, well, I want to say thank you. Thank you both so much for having me on. And um, to everybody listening, Anatomy of Monsters is out on, on DVD and VOD through our exploitation. And... Ghosts in the Graveyard, Monsters for the Masses. We're on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes. And check us out. <laughs> I think you'll dig it if you like a horror. Okay, man, there you have it. Um, and uh, it's uh, definitely been my pleasure. Um, that we've uh, just talked to uh, Byron C. Miller. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon, man. Thank you so much. All right, no problem.
All right. What a fantastic interview that was. Uh, and uh, right now, uh, I think we just need to uh, hit our commercial break. So we'll be back in about three and a half minutes. See you then. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to TeddyScares.com. And be sure to become our friends at Facebook.com slash Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stories page on Facebook. A scientist named Frankenstein made a monster by sewing together parts of old dead bodies. You have to read that stuff. Wait a minute. Frankenstein gave the monster eternal life by shooting it full of electricity. Some people claim it is not dead even now, uh-huh. just dormant. <laughs> now, who'd be silly enough to believe that? <laughs> 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 uh-huh. 
Who would be silly enough to believe that? <laughs> Me. Uh, all right. Welcome back to Horror News Confidential, uh, brought to you by Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network and HorrorNews.net. Uh, this is Michael Joy and uh, co-host today, Wolf Dog Joe. I think Wolf Dog had to bail out early on us today, but that's okay. Um, we just had a fantastic interview from the one and the only uh, Byron C. Miller, and he was plugging the art exploitation hit, The Anatomy of Monsters, which is uh, such such a great movie. Uh, and then also Ghost in the Graveyard, uh, his band, um, which is thriving. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, well, I guess, a master of all genres. Uh, coming up uh, in our second hour, we're going to be having uh, our second interview, and that's going to be with uh, another musician. Uh, you'll know him by the name of John Five. So uh, some pretty cool stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, we were just talking about the Project Greenlight uh, Clive Barker Real Fair Contest, which um, uh, Byron said he submitted a pitch. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's fantastic, which, uh, you know, kind of uh, is coincidental because yours truly um, have submitted a pitch as well uh, for my movie Dead Afterlife. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys uh, have seen the Facebook page and uh, have seen different postings on hardnews.net about the movie. Um, but uh, if um, you know, you'll indulge me, I will take a few moments just to uh, tell you a little bit about this tale. Uh, it's a uh, zombie ghost mashup, and I think it's uh, basically something that's so unique. Um, it's kind of a cross between Night of the Living Dead and Heaven Can Wait, if you can imagine that. Um, well, imagine watching your own funeral as a ghost, and then the unthinkable happens. Your undead body climbs out of your coffin and starts killing and eating your friends and family. What would you do? What could you do? Pharmaceutical scientist Donald Conley faces this conundrum after he's murdered and, and, and is administered his own awake superdrug. His death is only the beginning of his problems. The gatekeeper has given Donald a time limit to return his zombie self to the ground, or else his soul can never gain entrance into heaven. To complicate matters, he finds out that the murderer, his murderer, is at the funeral, and his girlfriend is in grave danger. How can a couple of disgruntled gravediggers and a hearse driver help Donald's lost soul find its way? Or maybe the real question is, how can the spirit world defeat the living dead? Uh, so there you have the synopsis for Dead Afterlife, uh, and... Uh, that's uh, that's the one that we uh, we use often, but uh, actually there's a uh, there's a uh, second synopsis. It's kind of like a uh, alternate um, that I really don't um, don't put out there that much. But you know we have some time, so I will today. 
so uh, this other synopsis reads, as dead afterlife is the result of a medical experiment gone horribly wrong. The awake superdrug was created by pharmaceutical engineer Donald Collins for the good of all mankind. Its effects were designed to speed up the healing process in comatose patients, but what really happened is beyond comprehension. Through a tragic turn of events, Donald Conley finds himself trapped in a coma, and the only way out is to be a human guinea pig for his own experimental drug. The results are fatal, but the power of the drug exceeds everyone's expectations when Donald finds himself dead awake at his own funeral. Now he realizes that death is only the beginning of this horror story. So there's uh, two synopsis that we uh, they have going on right now for Dead Afterlife. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we've got some pretty cool acclaim. Uh, you know, we've got some quotes from uh, Tom Holland from Child's Play and Fright Night, um, which, uh, you know, uh, he's been a great supporter of, um, of our film. He says, um, not to toot my own horn, but um, here it goes. Mike Joy is a terrific, talented guy who has written a warm, funny, people-oriented riff on zombies. It's different, touching, and sweet. I like it. Support him. Help him make his film. Well, I'm not really sure if it's sweet, but I do appreciate the uh, compliment, Tom. Um, So uh, anyway, we have submitted a pitch for Dead Afterlife to the Project Greenlight Clive Barker Real Fair contest and uh, so that should be uh, you know pretty fun um so uh you know our theme today has been uh music and uh you know and you know basically lots of it um so going along with the theme we have something um that's pretty cool um uh, our uh, our friends at uh adrenaline have, have uh given us some uh, some pretty cool songs here to uh, debut, um, one of which is from a band called Ice Nine Kills. Uh, their album is Every Trick in the Book, and this is the song The Nature of the Beast, uh, and it's a, a pretty cool song, and uh, we're going to take a listen to it right now. Um, again, brand new song from Ice Nine Kills. Come on, come on to the crumbling walls of our city now painted with red As the stench of defeat emanates through the streets It's a life we once dreamed of now dead But we won't break, we won't fight, we won't storm through the night Enslaved to their king nevermore With the locks on our cage broken off by the rage Now it's time to settle the score We are the slaves, we are the thorn, we are the Oh, I'm like, fly, 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 f
Joy, and you were just listening to The Nature of the Beast by uh, Ice Nine Kills. And, you know, I actually made a, um, a brief mistake. I said uh, that was uh, brought to you by Adrenaline. Uh, I was wrong about that. Um, you know, I do apologize. Fearless Records um, was nice enough to give us that track. Um, and uh, uh, outstanding, uh, outstanding uh, artist um, that they are. And you were... Um, uh, maybe going to have them on uh, Hard News Confidential in the coming weeks, but uh, we'll have more uh, more about that later. But I will tell you who will be on Hard News Confidential next week, uh, and that's going to be William Burke. William Burke, uh, he is a director, uh, he is a writer, uh, and he is also a hardnews.net contributor. Uh, but uh, next week, William is going to be talking about his new book, uh, and uh, it's a good one. It's called Voodoo Child, Book One, Zombie Uprising. Uh, and it's a, uh, an interesting take on uh, voodoo and zombies, and, and it, it's got a lot going on. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll best leave uh, William next week to kind of dive into you know, all the details and, and tell us about the book and, and everything else that he's working on. So that's going to be uh, a very fun uh, interview, uh, and he, I'm looking forward to uh, talking to uh, to him next week. So, um, so lots of cool stuff going on, and uh, we're going to move away from the horror genre just for a moment uh, because uh, Woodhaven Media uh, just did a press release for a new film uh, that's going into production. Uh, and uh, this is going to be a Christmas film. It's called The Santa Files. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this movie because uh, I have a close relationship with uh, Woodhaven Media and, uh, you know, all the films that they've, they've done. Um, Almost Mercy, uh, directed by Tommy DiNucci, was um, nothing short of a masterpiece. And uh, their, uh, their new horror movie, uh, that we've talked about, and, and you know, I mentioned it last week. Uh, Anders Manor um, is, is going to be fantastic as well, and it's uh, a movie that stars uh, Kevin Nash from WWE fame, uh, as well as uh, from uh, uh, the heavy metal uh, icons Godsmack. Erna uh, also is in that movie, and you know, there's. Um, uh, lots of uh, lots of cool names. Uh, I think we mentioned last week. Um, Rachel True from The Craft is is going to be uh, in Andrew's Manor as well. Uh, lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, so right now, um, basically, they have this uh, movie in um, that they're going to be filming this month, uh, next month. Uh, it's called The Santa Files. Ed Asner is going to play Santa Claus. Of course, everyone knows Ed is Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh, so he's got some pretty cool um, cast. Uh, professional wrestling uh, is also going to play a big part in this movie. Uh, Tommy Dreamer from the House of Hardcore uh, is going to have a role, as well as Mike Bennett and Murray Kanellis. Uh, so lots of... Um, you know, lots of cool things going on. Patrick Muldoon from Starship, Starship Troopers. Uh, Brooke Langton from Swingers and The Replacements. 
Um, so uh, it's a great cast. Um, basically, the uh, movie's about a, a joyful story revolves around a young boy played by actor Jack uh, Brunel, uh, his band of friends who, despite ridicule from their pairs, vow to prove that Santa is real and subsequently bring the holiday spirit back to their cynical town. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to that one. Um, so once again, later on, uh, not too far into the future here, uh, we're going to be talking to John Five, uh, and you know he is uh, self-entitled um, album uh, "Season of the Witch," uh, and uh, his uh, track "Season is very cool. Um, we actually played it a little bit earlier. Uh, some of it. We're going to put it on full scale right now for you guys to hear because it's uh, a really kick-ass tune. So let's hear "Season of the Witch" from John Five.
Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Call is now being recorded. Hey, this is Michael Joy with HardNews.net, and uh, today we're talking with John Five, who's currently on tour and promoting his uh, new album, Season of the Witch. Uh, how you doing, John? And uh, how's the tour going? I'm doing well. The tour's doing great. We are uh, in North Carolina somewhere, and uh, everything's going great. Can't complain. Awesome, man. Hey, listen. What I love is that, like, rock music and the horror genre have, like, this kind of synergy going on. Um, why do you think that is? Like, it's almost like they belong together. You know, I, I, they kind of do belong with each other. You know, it's the lyrics and it's the visuals and all that stuff. And I don't know. They just go hand in hand, just like... You know, uh, God, I can't even I can't even give a really good example, but everything from like Kiss and Black Sabbath and Alice Cooper and it's just Rob Zombie, you know, it just all goes together. It just fits really well. So uh, I'm psyched because I love you know the, the horror movies and I love heavy music and it's just a, a wonderful thing. You know, it's great. Yeah, well, I, so I got a question for you. So, when you're um, in the creative process and, and you're, um, you know, making music, um, do you go to like horror movies for inspiration at all? Um, is that part of the process for you? No, no, that's um, I I uh, watch them and just for enjoyment, for my own. Uh, enjoyment but when i'm writing i have either a riff in mind or or drum beat or something in mind and i'll just go from there and just start a, a building process of constructing you know music and uh that's how i've always done it but i i just you know the the visuals and the uh the horror aspect it's just for my pure enjoyment that's what i like and luckily that's what that's what the fans really enjoy too because you know why not it's it's something that we all loved when we were little kids and and it's not out of the ordinary um for you know children to have a picture of frankenstein or dracula on the on their wall just you know we're all the same people and it's it's uh it's just how we all grew up yeah, hey, you know, it all started somewhere, you know, for you, um, like, as a kid, like, what was your earliest memory of, like, liking horror movies, and, and did you have a favorite back then? Um, I did. I would, we had um, the horror hosts on at night, and they would play the old Universal uh, monster movies, but then I remember, like, early as, like, second grade, I would go up at the uh, top floor of my school, they had a library, the very top floor, and then they had these um, these hardcover books, and they were by a company called Crestwood, 
and they would have these books, and there was a Frankenstein, a Dracula, a Wolfman, a Creature from the Black Lagoon, um, yeah. and it was it was amazing. And my mom, I remember, because I kept on checking these books out of the library, and my mom bought me a um, series of these books. And I and it's funny because my s- sister just sent me the Frankenstein one. And it's so cool to have that in my collection from when I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that is so cool. I mean, and you know, the other thing about like you know, um, you know, rock and horror, um, and you had mentioned like Rob Zombie, um, like the um, the stage theatrics. Um, how important do you think that is for uh, for a show? And um, how do you use it um, compared to, you know, some other, um, you know, like, like Rob Zombie or, or like Marilyn Manson or, you know, some other um, some other bands? You know, I don't think it's very imperative. I think it is a nice addition, if you will, because you are the audience member, and I'm using myself as an example. I would go see Kiss or anyone else if they were playing in a club or playing with no production i would go see that because i wanted to see the band and i wanted to hear the music and i wanted to experience it but the production part of it it's it's just a uh, plus if you know hey great if there's going to be explosions and there's going to be monsters that come out that's wonderful but I'm not going to not go see the show if they don't right. have that. And I think that is uh, it's just common knowledge with anybody. I don't think anybody would say, hey, I'm not going to go see this if there's not this. You know, because I'm just using myself in, as an example. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally get that. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I love going to concerts, you know, just like I love watching horror movies. Um, but you know, you as an artist being up there, um, what, what do you love the most about, um, you know, playing live and, and the whole experience of, you know, thousands of people being in front of you? Um, and is, and also part two to that question, is there, um, do you have a favorite place that you like to play? Well, what I enjoy about the live experience is I try to capture perfection. I really do. And it's such a hard thing to do is to really capture perfection and playing right on the beat, not hitting any strings together, not making any mistakes, not having any feedback, you know, really, because it could get repetitive night after night after night. But if you play a game and you try to really capture that perfection, it, you'll be so, so surprised on how difficult it is to really yeah. have everybody have a perfect show. So that's kind of a game we play, you know, while we're we're playing. But some people, the audience will say that was a perfect show, but, you know, they don't know that, you know, maybe my finger was a little off position and uh, like something, you know. So it's interesting. Um, my favorite place to play. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it down to countries. Uh, I love playing in America because I've done it so many times, you know. And I know I know pretty much my way around to every town 
in America because I've been touring it for, you know, seems like a thousand years. <laughs> so uh, I really enjoyed a lot. Okay. So coming down to, you know, basically this um, uh, this new album, Season of the Witch, um, lots of good stuff. Is there anything that, like, you're, like, super pumped to play specifically off the album um, when you're out there on tour? Like, is there, there you know, is, yeah, okay. there is. There's okay. a song called Hellhaw that is, uh, I really enjoy playing live because it's, you know, of course, it's very difficult. There's so much going on in that song, and it's very clean. So it's on a clean sound, so it's very Western swing. So that one is always a real big challenge, you know. It's really a lot of fun. Okay. Very cool. Hey, look, so let me just let me just swing back real quick to um, the horror genre aspect of everything. Um, and, um, you know, maybe your opinion on a few different things. Um, so uh, yesterday, uh, I think the... Uh, the trailer uh, just was yeah, released. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen for <laughs> it. If I could yeah. get maybe your opinion, did you see it? I did see it. What do you think? I'm psyched. You know, listen, all this stuff, like these movies, they're meant for entertainment. They're just here to entertain us. You know, so oh, yeah. I, I don't understand how it looks great. It makes you like a movie. And I'm excited about it. And that's what the trailer is there for. Oh, it it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. So I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Okay. You know what? I'm glad you said that because, I mean, I watched it. I was blown away. And you know what? I mean, personally... Uh, in general, generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of remakes, but if a director can do it well and pull it off, hey man, I'm all for it. It looks like this is going to be a winner. Yeah, I, you know what, I don't mind remakes if, you know, I just, because I like, I don't really uh, guide my life as like, I'm this or I'm that, and then I'm just... No, I'm. I want to be entertained, and anything sure. with this or that in it, I'm into. Yeah. And, you know, that's what it's about, and I'm. I'm really excited for it, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. Um. Uh, throw one more opinion uh, at you. Uh, you know, uh, uh, recently, um, John Carpenter's. Escape from New York. Um, it was announced that Robert Rodriguez is going to direct that. Um, John Carpenter, of course, you know, Rob Zombie, uh, helmed, you know, some remakes of Halloween, which turned out to be fantastic. Um, uh, what do you think about, uh, them trying to remake Escape from New York? It was that, uh, something you liked as a, uh, as a kid? Absolutely. And why not? Because it's a great story and, this needs to be see what we're what we need to understand is this needs to be introduced to a whole new generation. It's all inspiration, and if this movie comes out and everybody goes and sees it, that's awesome. And you know, then they can go back and they can watch the original if they want to or not. There's so many movies 
that have been yeah. remade that people don't even know about the original. Like um, Talking Tina, okay, the Twilight Zone, right? Yeah. Think about think about Chucky, you know? Right. Same thing. All these, there's so many movies that have been remade and all this stuff that people don't really know what the original is. I don't know if that is, but it's a very similar story. And, yeah. you know, Chucky's great and Twilight Zone's great. So why not just enjoy everything? It's, you know, I, I don't really understand why people go into something with a frown, with a, <laughs> you know, I never really understood that. Why not go into that with just trying to enjoy it? That's, that's yeah. I think that's, uh, that's the way I look at things. Like Kong, you know, the new King Kong uh, Skull Island. Right, you know, I love King Kong. I've seen every King Kong movie ten thousand times, and I was excited. But there's so many people that go into it going, bah, 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 bah. "Hey, just go see it and enjoy it." You know, that's yeah. that's what I think. Why not? I mean, seriously, that's what you have great. to do. Yeah, life is great. This is these are movies. These are entertainment. You know, it's and just have fun. So. This is kind of related, actually. So, do you think about um, bands doing cover songs almost the same way as like directors doing like remakes? It's kind of like the same thing, reintroducing uh, an audience to you know something that they maybe didn't hear the original. You know, is do you think cover songs are kind of like the same uh, you know category there? Well, sure. There's there's um some great covers out there, of course. You know, everybody covers songs. I think every band in the history of bands have covered a song. Yeah. You know, the Rolling Stones, the, the, how they first started, was they were just doing covers, you know. The Beatles, they did a bunch of covers, you know, and they were big hits. Um, the Beatles covered a lot of songs that were um, better than the originals in some people's minds. You know, Kiss did covers um ace really did 2000 man and they did and then she kissed me you know all these great great songs that were covered tunes that people love you know and and uh, a lot of people maybe not m might not know that hey this is a cover and they enjoy it a little bit better so i don't see anything wrong with it yeah you just gotta be open to you know experience it yeah definitely I, i'm totally with you man uh, you mentioned Kiss a couple times. I, I'm assuming you you uh, they, they were one of the guys that you liked, uh, you know, coming up, right? No, absolutely, of course. It's uh, they were my heroes, you know, when I was growing up. Any any other uh, bands you uh, want to throw into that mix? Sure, there was, uh, you know, there was. I, I love TV, so I think TV had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, you know, Hee Haw and the Monkeys and Happy Days and Anything with music in it, I just loved, 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 yeah. loved, you know. So I was really into that. And that really got me playing guitar. And, you know, then Ben Halen came along and, you know, everything else. I was just obsessed. So playing guitar, what was, like, the first song that you, I don't know, mastered or, or played well, you know, when you, you know, started playing guitar? Um... There was a song. There's a song called "Dirty Water," 
and I forget who does the song. I should know this, but um, it's a pretty popular, you know, old-time rock and roll song, and uh, I remember getting that down, and then Crossroads from Cream. I remember okay. getting yeah. that down. Yeah, so uh, I loved it. You know, I just loved playing guitar. It's all I did all the time. Well, hey, man, listen, I, you know, it has been such a blast talking to you. You have no idea. Um, Thank you. Big, big fan, and, like, you know, this this tour is, is rocking. Um, you know, before I let you go, um, any last things you want to throw out to the, you know, rock audience, horror audience, and anyone listening to this? Yes, just, you know, enjoy the movies. Enjoy the music. Take that outlook to listening and watching music and movies. Just enjoy it. That's what it's there for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, hey, man. You know, this is uh, John Five we've been talking to and, uh, you know, talking about horror movies and rock and, and everything in between. But, uh, again, you know, good luck uh, tonight and, uh, you know, good luck with this uh, album. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, John. Bye-bye. All right, later. Ladies and gentlemen, John Five, what a fantastic guest for Horror News Confidential. Uh, Well, you know what? We are just about out of time. You know, I want to thank all you guys for tuning in. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. And next week, we're going to have a fantastic show. Please tune in. Uh, myself, Michael Joy, for my co-host, Wolfdog Joe, and our guest tonight, Byron C. Miller and John Five. Uh, we've had a blast. We've talked a lot wrestling and music and, and horror movies. Um, so we're just going to send you out with this. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again.